throne of grace. We find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need, and we need you all the time. That's why you decided to live in us. You know our need. So, Father, we thank you. This is our time to give you our full attention. We yield ourselves to you, spirit, soul, mind, and body, to focus on what you have for us, to allow you to come in and help us, change us, transform us from one glory to the next. And we honor you and love you for that privilege. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. So uh, today I thought we'd spend a little more time uh, on, on thinking or, or talking about believing that you receive when you pray. You know, it's, the, the, the uh, Mark example, Mark 11, 24, 22 to 24 and following example is one that we, uh, it, it's very, very vital to really everything we need from God. And um, one of the things that we must know is that if it's something that, it, you know, the result of it is so dynamic and so life-changing, so it's always good to take a, a good look at getting the understanding that we need to get from these concepts and not take them for granted. I've noticed over the years that, you know, when I was a, a new Christian or fairly new Christian, I would listen to Scripture if it sounded familiar. You know how you shut your ears down? You know, if anybody's ever had a dog, when a dog is trying to discern, they'll, their ears will shoot up. Once they're satisfied they know what's going on, they drop back down again. And this is what we do sometimes with the Word of God. We'll hear something that sounds familiar, and sometimes we'll respond more in our flesh than we do our spirit. And, uh, you know, it sounds familiar. We say, oh, I heard that before, you know. And your flesh can easily get engaged in the things of God. You need to be able to understand what God's doing, uh, be able, where's that little boy at? Is he by himself? Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Yes, you know how little kids are, you know, they're curious about everything. Go in the bathroom a hundred times, they still go get curious. You know, what's in there today? Same old thing. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so so we have to be attentive at all times to God's word because the scriptures tell us that. In other words, this ain't just ordinary words. So you have to endeavor to disengage your flesh and begin to engage your spirit more when the word of god is is preached i remember when i was we were new newer in the in the things of god and i remember uh being at a church and they had all these people that were ministers and deacon preaching deacons and they let me give it give everybody a title and uh you know some of them get up and preach got no business being up there preaching but still you know they did and I'm saying that to, oh, when sometimes, sometimes you come in and you saw, you see them called to the pulpit, oh, no, not longer. And so the Lord rebuked me. He said, when somebody preaches my word, you give them your attention. Because you never know when God's going to show up with the anointing and capture. You know, what the reason people preach bad, number one, if they are, they are not in the word, they're not gifted, that's number one big mistake. Then if they're not in the word, don't have enough word in them to be able to get garner an anointing where God will put his anointing on them. Uh, 
But you never know when that's going to change, when it's going to go from sour to sweet. So whenever God's word is being proclaimed, we have to give it our full attention. And all I'm saying is that that attention on his word gets tested a lot, whether we know it or not. You know, he will test you as to whether, you know, I mean, you may not appreciate the vessel that is coming through, but that's God's word. You understand what I'm saying? And so I was able to appreciate God's sovereignty whenever his word is preached. And it helped me as a beginning preacher. You know, if it's going to help that one and you don't think they're as cool as you are, hello, somebody, then it'll help you. When you ain't cool, just a thought, just a little thought. (laughs) So anyhow, we're all dependent on God. We're all believing God for things, and we all must trust God. But his word is holy. Wherever his word is believed, there's an opportunity for God to confirm that word with signs following. Amen? So whenever you mix the word of God with your faith, there's an opportunity for him to confirm that word with signs following. So that's why you do it. That's why you mix it with faith. That's why you endeavor to lay everything aside and say, this is God's word that's being preached. Amen. And it doesn't matter who's preaching it. Amen. Doesn't matter if I didn't like Pastor Barb's song earlier. Ow! (laughs) Quit ironing me. (laughs) See, it's all a test, folks. Everything that's out here is a test. It's a test whether you're going to stay focused on what's important. Because how we feel and how we judge people ain't important at all. It's what does the Spirit of God have me here for? What is the Spirit of God saying to me? What is the Spirit of God trying to help me with in my life? Amen? That's what we're after. And so if we will stay focused on what God's saying, stay focused on his word, give it your full attention, then we'll be in a position then to begin Mark eleven twenty two through following all the following scriptures in that, and then we'll be able to to expect with confident expectation that God will bring our words to pass, because that scripture is so compelling on us as being responsible to make sure. That God fulfills that word. There's a you responsibility and there's a God responsibility. And the you responsibility in that is pretty significant, if you ask me. See, this isn't, this isn't something you can, like, listen to at one time and think you really, really got it and just run off and start working it. This is something that God will probably peel layers off of your unbelief and layers off of your tradition and your your bad habits and your weaknesses. He'll start peeling layers off and then you'll be able to see layers of this coming forth in your life. It's interesting. I remember, uh, I know uh, you went to Robert's school, Shannon, 
and you remember him giving that testimony about listening to the scripture for years and he said everybody when ever this was brother hagan's his meetings i don't did he go to rama he went to he no he really didn't go did he yeah right and they were very powerful because uh, there are a lot of people that built big ministries off of his open meetings you know uh the copelands did because i know they went to oru so they they didn't compete with each other for each other's students so you know i mean it's a miracle but uh brother hagan always had meetings that were open to the public his healing schools ran continually day in day out day in day out that's how you get the best results is just soak people under the word every single day and they saw miracles that people would have limbs grow out people would, would have cancers that fell off and all that kind of stuff you know and, and and just healing miracles just by soaking in the word so this has got to be very important if he devoted that much time and energy to it but mark eleven twenty three was a scripture that whenever brother hagan would get up and mention it eyes would roll it was more eyeballs on the ceiling than it was looking straight forward you know all his students who knew everything now they got two years of bible school and now they know everything so they would go and robert said that his that was his attitude for many many years he said as many times as i would he said but this one night I decided I was just going to focus in on what he was saying. He said, when I left that meeting that night, I owned this scripture. From that day forward, his Bible school sprung up. His personal ministry sprung up. Everything began to spring up because he owned it. And that's what you want to do and I want to do. We want to own the word. We want to have such a faith and a confidence in it and a command of it working in our lives that it works without fail. That's what you want. It works without you getting tired of praying and tired of waiting and tired of believing. It works all the time. And you have a confidence and you can rely on it and you know it's going to work and nobody can take that from you. They can't talk you out of it. The devil doesn't challenge you every time you want to step out and do something by faith. You understand what I'm saying? See, we got to take ownership of God's word because that's our covenant. Owning the word is better than owning things. Things can be repoed, taken away from you. You can mess around and lose them. Amen. But when you own possession of god's word when you have confidence and faith in that word and you know that that word works for you all the time you understand what i'm saying then you got something amen you got something and it's worth fighting yourself for it's worth turning your plate down for it's worth giving extra in the offering for all of that it's worth it you understand what i'm saying as god directs you to and so it's a good thing. So Mark 11:22 starts off saying have faith in God. Now this is interesting. This will help people that think it takes forever for God to move. The situation that had preceded this interaction between Jesus and his disciples 
we all know it was Jesus cursing the fig tree. Why did he curse the fig tree? Yeah, didn't have fruit on it. But even the scripture says it wasn't time for fruit. But see, Jesus never did anything wrong. Okay, now. So you're going to stay on the right page now if you're going to assess things correctly. Let me read that because I don't like to assume people. It's right here, verse 12. On the morrow when they would come from Bethany, he was hungry. See, because Jesus is Lord of all creation, if if your refrigerator, if you go and you buy, you own your house, you own your refrigerator, you pay your light bill, it's working. You go in your refrigerator to get some food, and somehow that food is not there for you. What's going to be your reaction? Yeah, right. You tear something up. You go, you go put, <laughs> pull Miss Sister Magnum out and go to make some inquiries. Huh? Huh? Some inquiries. So because creation refused to yield to the desires of the master, he decided to curse it. Amen? And say, no fruit grow from you hereafter. Amen? Seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he expected that there may be fruit on it because there were leaves there. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. Now, this is not necessarily it wasn't the season because why would jesus look for fruit out of season you got me so it looks like this tree was stunted some way because it's not producing fruit and by his vision he may have assessed that it would never produce fruit so he said, you're no good. I'm just going to curse you. You don't grow. You don't take up space. That was very common back there because water is scarce in the Middle East. And if your your crops don't produce, like the, the one parable about the, the uh, uh, um, I don't remember what tree it was or a grapevine. But anyway, he says, "Should I, I'm gonna, I decide to cut this down. They say, no, master, give it another season in case it might produce. So it was common to give it one more season. And so that tree may have already been in its second or third. Cut you down because you ain't doing nothing. You're no good. You're not producing for anybody. You don't take up space. We'll plant something new in here. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That's how God's kingdom operates. There are a lot of people that used to be productive for God. And and misused the gifts, resources, everything. So he said, "No, you. I find somebody else to do this. Don't don't you worry, darling. I get me somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying." So he cursed that fig tree. Many people say it's symbolic of Israel that should have responded to him in their season, but they didn't. Paul said they're blinded now. 
Huh? Except every now and then he opens the eyes of a few and they see the light of the gospel. That's why you don't see many Jewish converts. Got me? And so here Jesus one day curses the tree. The next day it's withered up. And that's noted, notable to them because it's not something that happens very often. Now, this is what I want you to understand. Why is it that Jesus is doing Mark 11.22, which we, oh boy, here it comes again, that, that scripture. And it happens the next day, and it's a miracle. And we do it, and we think it's going to take forever. I'm going to say it again. See, when he did it, it was a miracle. It happened the very next day. Shocked everybody. I love you, sweetheart. Okay? Amen. Amen. Baba, love everybody. And so... You know, it's amazing, though. We take things way out of context. We pull everything apart, five steps, four steps, because we're trying to get everything quick, fast, and easy. But when we look at the scripture, your quick, fast, and easy is already established. If there's ever a quick, fast, and easy scripture, it's this one. Because it works quick, fast, and easy. It works the next day. Now, people say, well, that's Jesus. It could be you. Everything that we do, we do by his spirit that dwells in us. So how do we get this to work? Amen. How do we get this to work? In in Mark eleven twenty two, when they start telling, wow, Jesus, wow, wow, they marveled at him all the time. Sometimes you got to watch people marveling at you. Huh? I mean, seriously. We ain't all that great now. I mean, we most of our good stuff is faith accidents. You couldn't repeat them in a hundred years. Like people say, well, you know that, that you told me so-and-so and so-and-so. I say, huh, where, huh, where? Oh, oh, me, yes, 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 yes. I do that all the time. I mean, whatever. Uh, he says, number one, have faith in God. Quit looking at me. Quit looking at yourself. Quit looking at your flaws. Quit looking at your past. Quit looking at your mistakes. Have faith in God. So this is what levels the playing field. If we will take our faith out of ourselves and out of how much we think we're doing that causes God to want to bless us and consider ourselves blessed already. Or if you, you know, even like if I don't mention it, maybe he won't notice that I didn't do so and so. (laughs) Just keep your mouth shut about it. Huh? (laughs) now that's kind of an interesting concept when you think about it because isn't that what gets us either in trouble or out of trouble what we say so uh, jesus said have faith in god 
Now, there are different translations of this. That word in is what makes it open to different types of interpretation. In the Greek language, prepositions were interchangeable. You know what I'm saying? Like if you saw of, you could say from, to, for, of, in, under, over. You could use any of those. Oh, it's an adjective. I'm sorry. It's not. Is it a preposition or an adjective? I probably had it right the first way. It's an adjective. But anyway, no, it's a preposition because it, it shows location. So you could show location. You could put one word there, and you might have translated it of when you read it, and then somebody comes by later and calls it from. So that word there was says, have faith, God. You can say in God, which means put your confidence in him. It also can mean have the faith of God. Which we have. When you put faith in God's word, your faith then becomes changed into the faith of God. And can actually do the God things. And see, this is where you have to make up your mind that you're not going to limit what the promise says it's going to do based on the fact that you think your faith isn't where it should be. Because it's always where it should be. Once you put it in God's word, it's always where it should be. So there's no such thing as saying, what's wrong with my faith? And I don't know, no, 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 make up your mind. You're going to quit questioning the efficacy, the power, the ability, anything, the, the nature of your faith. You're going to stop it and tell yourself, no, I put my faith in God's word, and this is the faith of God, and it's flawless. And I keep believing based on the fact that this faith is without flaw. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a da-da-da-da-da-da-da. When Jesus would question the disciples' faith, it was because they had it in the wrong place. He would say, where is it? Then he would say, oh, ye of little faith. Why was it little faith? Because the minute something in the natural came up, they changed. And so the faith of God never changes, no matter what shows up or who shows up or how good it sounds or how bad it sounds or what you do to mess things up. His faith never changes. So the life we have to live is one of continually repenting and getting back in the faith, the confidence of the faith of God. No, this is God's faith. God, there's nothing wrong with your faith. I'm going to hold on because you're going to bring it to pass. So we hold on knowing that he will bring it to pass. Not hoping, not wavering. You know, when you feel pretty holy and sinless, you feel real confident in God. Shouldn't be that way. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change, and you don't need to change what you think or what you believe based on how you feel. You feel rotten. He's more God when you're rotten than he is when you feel like you're on top of the world. 
His strength is made perfect in weakness. You try to get too strong about yourself and he goes away. Huh? So it says here in verse 22, Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God, have the faith of God, have the God kind of faith. Now what kind of faith does God have? His faith says, let there be, and it be. So his faith always manifests that the thing that he said. His word will never return void. So his word is out here working, accomplishing, bringing to pass what it says it will bring to pass. So you don't have to don't ever worry about whether his word will happen. Be concerned about you holding on to it and not letting the devil wrestle it out of your little hands. Amen. What we are doing when we confess God's word, this word confession, kind of interesting word. Confession really means to say together with. To say the same thing as. You ever, you know, suppose a person gets arrested. And they start talking. Now they put a stop to this because it's not right when you think about what confession really means. Miranda says that you must have a lawyer present if you desire to have one. And they must inform you that you're entitled to a lawyer. Now why do you want a lawyer? Because a lawyer can let you say what you need to say and not what you think you want to say. So when you confess something, you merely are repeating what's already said about you. So when we confess Christ or confess God's word, there must be something already said about God that we are affirming. I'm going to say it again. When you confess God's word, you must be affirming, repeating, agreeing with, saying together with something God already says. People get in trouble with authorities because they start rattling off and eventually they implicate themselves by their own words. Because if you don't know the charges that are up, you need to shut up. So the first thing a lawyer will do is tell you to shut up and ask them, what is he charged with? It's got to come from them. And then you agree with what they say about you in order for them to indict you. It's the same thing with God's word. 
we got to wait until we hear what God says and confess and agree with what he says before we can be indicted on receiving that promise. I'm going to say it again because it's got to be already written and you agree with it before it becomes yours. That's why a lot of confessions get thrown out. Because they'll ask you, did you tell him he needed a lawyer, could have a lawyer? Yes, we did. And he talked anyway. Did you tell him what he was charged with? And then an empty silence room. Huh? Well, then you can't indict him. See, we can't be held responsible to receive a promise from God if we don't get it out of the word first. And if you don't meditate on that long enough to embrace it in your heart and make it yours. Once it's in your heart, then you start to agree and confess in faith. That's when your faith confession comes, once it's in your heart. So it's your meditation, your embracing of what is already written. If you go and run your mouth to the police and there's no law on the books and you've talked about everything and said anything, you haven't violated any law, you get to go home. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't care what you're talking about. And then they'll come in. Sometimes they'll say, well, I don't care about you selling dope. I'm looking for the murderer. You understand what I'm saying? We ain't about here for that. Yeah, Alicia, you know all about that, don't you? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So, so there must be something on the table for you to latch on to before you can say, I got it and it's mine. God's got to offer it to you. Either by speaking it to your heart, somebody gives you a prophecy and you grab onto that word. You meditate on that word and you, you say to yourself, you know, I keep coming to this place in the Bible. I wonder if God's trying to tell me I should be expecting him to do that. Huh? We've all been there. That's how God speaks to us. It's through his word. The difference between what we do and what the positive affirmation people. Huh? I got to say my, my positive affirmation. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. He got kicked out of Congress. Amen? It shows you the power of the positive affirmation, right? See, the reason that doesn't work, number one, there's no scripture involved. Number two, they're not using the faith of God. They don't belong to God. They just picked up something they like to hear about themselves. And they keep saying it and keep hearing it, and they're very happy. And they go out in life, I can just conquer the world. I'm good enough. I'm and, and the devil beats them all upside the head, but, but I'm good enough, smart enough. That's why he likes to beat us up, to get us to let go of our confession of faith. That's why Jesus said, put your faith in God. Have faith in God. Not yourself, not your positive affirmation, 
not your abilities and qualities and you feel all good about yourself don't ever put your confidence in that because the devil can make your feeling about yourself change so fast it'll make your head spin and so we want to stay in the confession of god so confess really means to say the same thing as another to agree with what they say and to not speak out and not deny it 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 must be an offer of a deed and must be proposed already so when jesus referred satan away from him even though he was the author of the bible he was the word made flesh he told him it is what written not it is my word ow yeah he humbled the bible says he humbled himself he found himself in fashion as a man and humbled himself to the father and spoke only what the father said so the father said don't try to do this on your own because you have not ascended to heaven yet sitting on my right hand where all power is put in your hands you have to stay under my power in order to get what you need refer him to the written word it is written see you'll never get beyond it is written i don't care if it is a personal prophecy it must be written somewhere in god's word before you can say it it belongs to you so jesus referred satan to the written word and that way he made sure that he was obeying the father and everything that he said would come to pass if he if he obeyed what the father told him to speak so the accusation or the proposal must come first before you can agree with it and confess it amen accusation is the other side of the blessing sometimes we get accused in our own minds sometimes the accusation is correct so the confession can be an act of repentance or contrition but it can also be an act of uh prosperity and and hope in your future in a good future so confession works both ways but you're agreeing with whatever is already said about you. So if God tells you, you know what? You better forgive that sister and quit going back and forth with that person. So when you confess, you say, "Yes, God, you're right. Your word says that when I stand praying forgive if I have anything against anybody or you won't forgive me and you won't hear this prayer." So it's worth it to confess i own it i own up i'm doing wrong amen that's the that's the best gift he could ever give us cuz it takes you out of time out it takes you out of the penalty box you don't have to wait on anything for god to bless you again he says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Rachel, can you take him out to the dining table and that way he won't get 
I mean, I give everybody, I think, enough time, but little kids are funny. They'll say no the first time, and then later on they want to eat. You know what I'm saying? But let him sit at the table because, you know, we're finished serving now, so make him comfortable, honey, okay? So anyway, where was I at? Accusation? Oh, yeah. So when we confess our sins, the Bible says you don't stay feeling guilty. He's not doing it to beat you up. Nobody's pointing out your sin to make you feel bad. But you need to feel bad because you did wrong. He does it so because he's faithful and just. He's not beating you up and making you feel bad. He's doing it because he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. He wants to put you back in the game right now. You don't have to hide anything wrong about yourself anymore. You can tell the world. Why? Because the holy angels hear it, the demons in hell hear it, and nobody's holding it against you. You get cleansed, you get free. Now, is that a free ride? That ain't your business. Your business is to live under the authority of it. And not wonder about if it looks good or bad, if it's right or wrong. If he tells you to do it, it's the right thing to do. You feel a little creepy about it because it's too good to be true almost. Just like pretty much everything that God promises us in our word, in his word. That's why sometimes it's so hard for us to believe God for miracles. Or believe him for healing. Believe him for certain things because we always think about us. And that thinking about us always gets in the way. It never helps, does it? I mean, if you think about you, you wonder, did I, what did I do wrong? What did I do here? What did I do? Just confess it. Own it. This is me, God. Sorry. Here I am again messed up. Straighten me out. And if you feel really bad, ask him to help you quit doing it so much. Then sometimes the minute you do that, you do it more. Isn't that what Paul said? The thing I don't want to do, I do it anyway. The thing I'm trying to do, I keep messing that up. <laughs> See, this will keep you humble, folks. This will keep you hmm, grateful, thankful, obedient, hopefully. All of the above. Just don't let it stop you confessing. Amen. Don't let it stop you doing that. So so the God kind of faith, we are putting our faith in what God will do. We're putting our faith in God's character. We're putting our faith in God's ability. But I don't know a lot of that. You're going to find out. We all start out. And I don't know as much as I should know, probably. <laughs> or I'd like to know. I don't know about the shoulds. You know, that's kind of like Old Testament mentality. But I'm endeavoring to know more. Because these are mysteries, folks. They don't come just, that's so easy. God will do that, you know. Quit cheapening him. What we get was blood bought. You got That should always be in your mind. He suffered for this for me. 
It'll make you consider it holy and respectable. So the God kind, there are two kinds of faith. Your natural faith, which is what you see with your natural eyes. And then there's a God kind of faith. It's faith in the invisible realm. Why is it invisible? To keep us from messing it up, picking at it? Because we certainly will. You'll find somebody, some theologian or some high mucky muck with a bunch of uh, letters after his name that thinks he can know all these great mysteries now because he got so much education. He's at the top of everything. That's why people keep stuff invisible. Well, God keeps stuff invisible for people who would get in there and kind of goof it up. Amen? So we have to realize that your faith can be in two different places. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Your faith is of two different kinds. Faith in what in the seen realm, the natural. Know that the natural is temporary. And faith in God is always going to change that. So that's why he tells us not to depend on what we can see because that's changing all the time. And it's always changing for better. So never lament and pine and cry and be upset when natural things change. Because if you will stand on God's word, he's replacing it with something better. Excuse me. You look at the condition of the world today. And you will see that things have changed dramatically beyond the grasp of human grant. When you see that, baby, God is working. You understand what I'm saying? God is. I remember when he gave us that prophecy. I didn't realize it was that long, four years ago. Wait till the dust settles. And I thought it was going to be like in a few months. That was four years ago. And it hasn't settled yet, has it? In fact, it's still kind of kicking up. Rona thinks she's getting a second run at something. Amen. But see, God made them fork over the information that they do, that this thing is treatable right now and has been since it started. And see, what really angers me is there's so many Christians out there saying doom and gloom this is God's judgment because we don't do this honey don't put me in that bag of them miscreants malfactors and their do wells I'm doing what God tells me to do and I don't need you to tell me what God's telling me to do bunch of naysayers faithless and I'm thinking if the world is judged where are you gonna be stupid I was thinking about that. Day. I, was, I think I mentioned it to Pastor Shirley. I get mad every time I think about it. I said, you know, it reminds me of Jonah. Remember, he ain't going to Nineveh. Now, he works for God and go try to hide from him. All the time he'd been working for God, he didn't know that, did he? See, the secret things belong to God. He didn't know he'd get thrown overboard and, get in a, and live in a fish for three or four nights. God did a miracle and got him out of there. When he preached, he got mad because the people repented and God spared the city. And he's sitting up on the hill watching to see God destroy everything. Got mad because God, then people repented and God spared them. It was just like these old naysayers out here now. 
Ah, the church is under judgment. You don't know nothing about judgment. God said, vengeance belongs to me. I repay. I don't tell anybody what I'm up to. Because I know Second Chronicles 7, 40, uh, 14. It's been in there in that Bible for, for eons. See, when things get really hard up, you go and find something that you probably never looked at real hard before. It's my people who are called by my name. That's us Christians. We ain't getting judged with the world. You understand me? Because I know how to get on my face. Huh? I may be carrying some extra baggage, but I know how to turn that plate down. <laughs> and get Lomo says. Because he said there's always an answer for me to spare. There's always something my people can do. And he's quick to reverse it. Hezekiah was laying up there, stinking from boils and rotten from the inside out. The prophet said to get your stuff in order because you ain't, you ain't going to be here. Will you, you will surely die. Surely. Surely means that by covenant, the death sentence has been ordered on your life. In other words, Hezekiah, you violated God's covenant one too many times. He's going to kill you this time. You ain't going to live. Before the prophet even got off the property, God said, turn around, tell him. I'm going to give him 15 more years. What? What? Yeah, he's quick to reverse it. See, that's why we got a treatment for this bug now. They might, they might tell you it's not, you're not going to get it, but God's going to see to it that you get it if you need it. Huh? But we don't get Rona around here, amen? She don't get us. We're not depending on that, but the people that need it have access to it. Governors think they got all this power. God's got most of them shaking in their shoes. Don't don't li- listen to their loud mouths and what they say and all that bragging stuff and all that nonsense. He's got most of them shaking in their shoes. Because the authority they have, they don't want. The ones with sense. The ones with no sense and get messed up by it. You violate God's mercy too many times. You're killing up all these people in nursing homes. You really think that goes over big with God? We don't have any disposable people down here. Faith works has to be in two places in order to work in your life. It has to be in your heart and in your mouth. Faith without works is dead. The first action of your faith, it comes through your mouth. Don't tell me you can't do that because we do it all the time. Huh? Oh, I know I got that. God told me that's mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> Even before you know God, you start bragging about what you what you believe. Say colleges will tell you that thinking, speaking, and believing work together. Uh, or or action and thinking work together. So they will tell you if you have a habit that you're trying to get rid of, if you change one of those three, the other two will go along with it. Huh? So if 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 you know you want to lose weight and you need to cut back on your food, if you can just think differently about it, you'll conquer that because eventually your mouth will go along with what you believe. See? Now, see, I've proven that in my life. Oh, don't everybody. Nah, Bryce. Yeah, yeah, right. Cut it out. I ain't talking about now. I'm talking about when I was a thin slip of a girl. But, you know, if you saw some guy you wanted to get his attention, girl, you put that plate down. Oh, I can't have that. I can't. Oh, don't. Don't defile my body with that horrible stuff. See, we didn't got happy now because we ain't under that kind of. You don't care if that works or not. Huh? Give me that other chicken wing. I, I said I would put some barbecue sauce on it. Said I wouldn't go eat another chicken wing. That's true. It's good to be happy. Get the world off of you. Amen. (laughs) I knew that would get a round of applause. (laughs) But we're working on it, right? But see, God will get you to help you to do it the right way. You don't need all these evil, you know, motivations. But if you can change even one thing in the equation and make it consistent, the other two will go along with it. That's how they get people that have nervous breakdowns to think normal and act normal. Amen. They'll tell you, change your behavior. huh? Or change your thoughts. Change one or the other. You've got two options how to change this thing, get rid of it. And you practice it consistently, and that thing will leave you. Same thing with God's word. You can look at a symptom, and your your mind might be going crazy and your mouth want to say something, but you say, you know what, God? I made up my mind and I made a covenant with my mouth that I was not going to speak against that which you and I have agreed upon and I have confessed it that it belongs to me. And I will continue to confess that it belongs to me. Pretty soon you'll get to the point where you don't even consider it anymore. You don't consider saying it anymore. And then you say it some more because God wants to be sold on the fact that you have permanently changed your faith from natural faith to the God kind of faith. So faith works in two places, in your heart and in your mouth, and then in your actions. There are, there are corresponding actions to a lot of the things that we say we want from God. Some of them we just do as a matter of habit because we know how that works now. But don't rely on that because God wants to instruct you every step of the way. 
So feel free to go to God and say, now, God, what do I do about seem to be stuck right here? What do I do? If he doesn't give you anything to do, keep doing what you're doing and do it more. That's what I always say. Keep doing what you're doing. Because faith works in your heart and in your mouth, you have to guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells you to guard your heart with all diligence. All diligence. Don't let any anger grow up in there. Don't let any fear take hold of you. Don't let disappointment settle in. Don't let the victim mentality in there. Victims are dangerous people. Because if people don't feel, you know, still watching ID Network. But if fear sets up enough in you, you'll hire somebody to kill somebody for you. Huh? That's why the Bible says if you hate your brother without a reason, you're a murderer. Because eventually you will do something, you will act on that. If you meditate and let that thing set up in your heart and fester, at some point the devil will push you over the edge to act on it. So that's why you, because life issues out of your heart. And death can issue out of your heart just like life can. Huh? Because it's right there. Right on the end of anger is murder. You ever had somebody do something to you? And sometimes parents get into this trap with their children. You know, I told him, babe, believe I told my baby. You know what I mean. We, we all do that a little bit. But but a, a kid example is kind of easy because kids don't mean any harm and they do stuff be, just to do it sometimes or don't know any better. He said, boy, I kill you. Now, where would that come from? See, murder is that is the end result of anger. That's why the Bible tells you to don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't don't let don't go to bed with anger in your heart. Don't let it start to set up and fester in there because it's got some little helpers run around behind it. And my mother, what if mommy said, "Girl, I hit you, unlucky licking kid." You know what she got. I mean, you have four girls, and everybody's like, you know, four little premenopausal. We was even pre-PMS. It was full of drama. I mean, I felt sorry for her, really, did when you think about it. But you know, people get fed up to that point. See what I'm saying? That's why I always encourage parents. I say, you know, go to God and forgive your kids. Forgive them just like you do big people. I mean, there's no little anger and big anger. You you be just as eager to violate the law with them as with anybody else. So Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart diligently. That means check yourself out and see if you're still mad at so-and-so. Or you're still upset about this and that. Or if you're still talking too much about it. You understand what I'm saying? Or you get triggered when certain people say certain things that they're around. You got to guard just what it means diligently. Let's clean that up real quick. God, let me get that out of here. You know, sometimes, you know, God may have, sometimes people say things to you that sound 
harsh or cruel but you think to yourself well god is there any truth you understand what i'm saying we all been there that's how you live that's how you stay on top of this and you don't like hearing it but worse than that you don't like being guilty of it so you want to diligently guard your heart let me get that out of there lord i you know i i don't want this 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 to to fester and and all that kind of stuff sometimes the enemy will put you in shock with some things you know you you, family members you know sometimes your kids can say things to you you know especially when they get older and and you say well god am i guilty of that always repent always own it always say god you know what i'm gonna own it and then at some point if that kid is 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 angry and misunderstood about how you feel about him that'll come to the light you'll be able to talk about it and get it straightened out you know and you both go before god and pray you know what i'm saying it's helpful it's helpful so diligently guarding your heart is a good thing why does god tell us to do that because you're the only one who can can confess and get it give him permission to remove that out of your life because he wants you always to be ready to prosper and to be blessed he wants to get good things into your life he can't do it mark 11 20 before if you have ought against any when you stand praying if you get all against any he said even if you're giving an offering you got some against your brother go make it right and lead i don't want your money I don't want you to get the wrong idea about our relationship here. Because to me, your heart's more important than your pocketbook. And it ought to be to you too. Amen. So we're to guard. Keep watch and keep keep a certain degree of order and discipline. That's what to guard means. So when you guard your heart, you keep watch over it. How did that settle in on you? How did that feel on the inside of you? keep watch and keep a certain degree of order and discipline in your life you must yield to the fruit of love in your heart and you must shed it out of your heart at all times i must say it again always yield to the fruit of love it's already you'll have to ask god to give you more love for anybody you gotta have to learn how to to read how you feel and let love come up out of you because it's already in you what happens is it gets easier to yield to the more we practice it that's how we feel like some people are more loving than others or more kind they practice yielding to the fruit of love they don't have no more than what you got they just know how to work with it hey i like that huh they ain't got no more than i got I just I gotta know how to work with it. That's what we're here, learning how to work with it. Amen. But but we're to guard and keep watch over our heart, not over other people, not over how they treat you, not over what they got that you wish you had or what you got that they ain't got. Huh? We get ourselves in so much trouble busybodying and in nonsense but you can look at your own heart with the love of god with the with the microscope of god the safest way to guard your heart is get in the word every day 
God, where do I read today? I was in the Psalms yesterday, and that was pretty good. I think I'll go back there today. If it was good yesterday, it's going to be even better today. You understand what I'm saying? And just allow God to to commune with you, fellowship with you. Begin to point things out that you might need. Point things out that he wants you to work with. God, I've been I've been really troubled by this, whatever, whatever, whatever. I really want your help this time. I know I said that about 50,000 times before, but this time I really mean it. You understand what I'm saying? So we're to guard, keep watch. Keep it in a certain degree of order and discipline. And the loving of our hearts must be shared abroad at all times. You can't afford to release anything other than love out of your heart. You can't just get mad at somebody and get stiff and get wind in your jaws and blow up and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it you have to work with it for a little bit. You'll do okay for a minute and then you go right back again. You're upset with yourself. Amen. But but keep at it. <laughs> Just keep at it. Amen. If we issue the fruit of the Spirit from our hearts and our mouth, we will see God's word come to pass. See, if we release the fruit of the Spirit from our hearts and from our mouths, we'll receive we'll see God's word come to pass. You got me? Sometimes we need to want to help people instead of have an answer for them. Because, see, we can all come up with an answer off the top of our head, but is that helpful? See, that's what you want. You want to see that's where the heart, the issues, the real issues of life can emanate forth from. I, I learned how to ask God to open the door for me to say certain things instead of just kicking the door down and saying, now, wait a minute. I got something to tell you. <laughs> Sit there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But God had put us here in the earth with his love so that we could shed it out of our hearts at all times and be aware that the love of God will help every situation. That's why we have to shed it out. It's not because... I'm the bad person all the time. Why do I have to be the one to apologize all the time? How come they can't be wrong sometimes? Keep doing that, your your neck gonna break. <laughs> Little stiff neck thing. Why does God never answer that? Cause it ain't your business. What he's dealing with with them is not your business. Your only business is what he's telling you to do. That's a big job right there. Because we want to do over on everything. We want to skip this lesson. We Oh, I know how to do that, God. Come on now. That couldn't be the reason. If it bothers you to do it, you got work to do. So if we issue the fruit of the Spirit from our hearts and mouths, we will see God's word come to pass. 
So sometimes we say, well, how come it's taking so long? Start releasing the fruit, sweetie. Start imbibing in the fruit, releasing the fruit. Quit being mad at me because you want it too fast. Huh? You are right on schedule. You don't know how I feel. Listen, don't tell Jesus he don't know how nobody feels. That's a lie. It's a big lie. Mark eleven twenty three says, this is for whosoever. So don't take it personal. It's only business. He says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whosoever shall say. You know, the first time you confess God's word against your problem, anybody ever been in deep pain and began to believe that they're healed and began to speak to the pain? And you know how that first affirmation is? It's like it hits a mountain. That's why he says it. Because when the first time you confess God's word right in the midst of your difficulty, right in the midst of your trouble and your problem, it's going to feel like it hit a mountain. Because it's going to go out there and bounce right back on you again. Or you're going to feel like it wasn't heard. Huh? Sometimes what we do is is we we will begin to say the word of God and then because of a sensation that we have that it's not doing any good like how could we judge see it's a trick of the devil to keep that in your mind see (laughs) you always feel like it ain't doing any good you got to learn how to ignore your thing. See, because what, what he wants you to do, he hits, it hits a resistance. Not who you think you are talking that stuff at. Do you know this is incurable? He wants you to stay in the realm of doubt. So if he can keep you in the sense realm, it don't feel like it went nowhere. It didn't move yet. How come it didn't quit? You ever speak to a pain and it doesn't move right away and you wonder? And you and then your brain gets sick of wondering. You just leave it alone. Then an hour later you realize that pain's been gone for about 40 minutes already. See, the devil likes to keep you in the visible and the sense rim and the touchy-feely. And see, we know that pain is not going to kill us. Because we ain't dead yet. But see, now that we're all super spiritual and everything, we think the minute we speak, it's supposed to leave. Sometimes God lets it linger to get you to pay more attention to how things really work. I remember when I was depressed and I kept reading that story about the the Gadarene demoniac. Well, I wasn't living in a tomb, but I might as well have been. I had no life. You know what I'm saying? And so I said, Jesus, you spoke to his devils and they left. 
And then he went home with his family. It was all changed. It happened instantly. That's what I want. I didn't get it. See, it's about have faith in God. Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. And until that faith gets to the degree that the author and the finisher of it says it's okay. Oh, I'm believing for instant. Keep believing for instant. I'm not going to talk you out of it. I want it instant too. When you get it, we'll all be the beneficiaries of it. You understand? We're little this. Get somebody out there believing for instant because we need instant. You understand what I'm saying? But if instant doesn't come, you got to trust him. Because he's working it out for your good. He's working on something in you. He's working. See, for me, suffering as long as I did, I have all compassion for people who are suffering. Now, I'm a little rough sometimes. Y'all may not believe I'm a compassionate person, but I'm forgetting the devil out of you because that's really what the problem is. And I don't understand why you can't see that, too. But when you can, let's get it on and get him out of your life. But that's how authority operates. It's authority is authority. You don't want to follow somebody who's scared of everything. My goodness, we got enough scared preachers around. I mean, they scared everything that's in the spirit. If it's in the natural, they'll fight it tooth and nail. They're going to fight you for that offering. They're going to fight you for that time. They're going to fight you. But spiritual things, they ooh, now. I was a baby Christian. I cast devils out. It was a real show, wasn't it, Pastor Shirley, when we got started? Yep. But we learned. Stood our ground. You know, I'd go and people would be foaming at the mouth, going to the bathroom, turning the shades down because they couldn't stand the light. I'm thinking I'm teaching a bunch of vampires. And, and Pastor Shirley would go get her a donut and a cup of coffee and sit there and watch everything. Her eyes would get real big. But I made them sit until they couldn't sit anymore and they ran out. Huh? Now everybody's scared. Everybody got quiet. Let me change the subject. No, you don't let a devil take your meeting over. Now you ain't the preacher. You the devil. I know the difference. And we ain't entertained by your foaming at the mouth. Stop vomiting. Get up out of here. I've made them quit vomiting. Sit up there, want to. I said, you better not. And I mean it. This ain't no side show. This is a holy work of God. We ain't here. You don't entertain me. I was so glad when I heard Benny Hinn say that. He told his lady, when she was, she was manifesting, he told her, he said, now you feel like you're going to throw up, but you're not. Benny with his little sweet self, he 
he hard on the devil. He had to learn to be that way, though. You understand what I'm saying? That big a meeting and then you let the devil take it over? Are you kidding me? Because there's plenty of them out there on the edge of their seat waiting for the uh, for the signal. They are. So I don't let them mess around in here. You ain't paying no rent in here. You ain't in charge in here. You ain't got nothing to do with this. We're here to learn the word. We ain't here to be. And that don't entertain me anyway. So if we issue the fruit of the spirit from our <laughs> compassion, from our hearts and our mouth, we will see God's word come to pass. Amen. So verse 23 says, whosoever shall say to this mountain. In other words, you don't lack anything. This is a whosoever. If whosoever is invited, there's no qualifications. Amen. It's just whosoever shall believe in their heart and say. Amen. To say to this mountain, be removed. In other words, the first time you speak this, you're going to get some resistance. Amen. Now, see, many times we we have graduated up to being able to see the instant and don't really realize we went through that process. Anytime you are seeing the instantaneous, it's because you've already been here at the mountain stage. And so now it's your faith is stronger and the the mouth says, whoa, (laughs) like I say, I'm leaving. You understand? (laughs) Whatever that mountain was, it hits the road. Huh? But it's not your first time out necessarily. Now they're a little slow moving the first, you know what I'm saying. They just drag their feet, don't want to go, but they have to go. I remember when I used to speak to oppressive spirits that would come and impress, oppress me. First thing you get up in the morning, they want to grab onto you. And so I started speaking to that pressure that I would feel. And usually in about four or five hours, it would lift. And then eventually I got to the place where it left immediately and pretty soon it didn't bother me anymore. So these spirits are on assignment until you overcome them. You tackle them and you overcome them with your spiritual authority. So you got to believe in spiritual authority. And you have to practice it. Get in front of the mirror. That's where you start. You go out looking for nobody with devils. You'll find plenty of them. You don't have to go nowhere. Just look in the mirror. You know, I'm serious. Come on. But whosoever shall say to this mountain. See, this is where courage comes in. If you can talk to something that normally would not obey a human. That's the challenge. Speak to the wind. Speak to the rain. Speak to these things. You'll see miracles. We, you see them all the time. I remember our first miracle commanding clouds to move out of the way in the sun. Sun's always out. His clouds come up there and try to mess with it. Then you go back there. In Jesus' name. I want to have a little sun bath today. I know I'm dark, but I'm going to have another little sun bath. You know what I'm saying? It's for me to have. Amen. So, and to be cast into the sea. In other words, you want it removed from your life. 
when it goes into the sea, it won't return. You got to believe when you speak to things, they do not return. You can't be scared looking around and seeing where they are now. They won't return. And shall not doubt in his heart that this is a final, this is finality. Spiritual things from God are always final. Amen. He always, he's the Alpha and Omega. When he, when he starts the things he wants to see happen, and his word will end the things he doesn't want to see happen. So believe it's a final thing. Don't believe the devil's going to keep coming back because it'll happen according to your faith. Oh, devil, you ain't coming back up in here. I told you to go once and you ain't coming back. Jesus' name. It says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. We'll go more into that tomorrow. But but he wants you to know that this is for the whosoever. I'm, I'm just going to wait until I get more faith. You ain't getting more. You got to use what you got for the right reasons. Your problem is your faith is tied up in the devil's work. Amen. That's why you don't think you have enough. When's the last time you used it for God? Well, we won't go there. But you all, you all know what I'm saying, right? You got to. Take that faith out, shake it off, dust it off, get the cobwebs off of it, and start using it for God. And you will receive the God results because you have the God kind of faith. Amen? All right, why don't we stop. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for blessing us according to your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is holy. It's without blame. Thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. Once we establish it with our faith and with our confession, it is thus and so. Father, we thank you that by your stripes we are all healed. Everybody believing your word and that the sound of my voice is healed right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for our confession. I don't have Rona. And Rona don't have me. I can't get Rona. And Rona can't have me. In the name of Jesus, it is decreed and it is so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen and amen again. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's worthy. Amen. Amen.